1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member of FDIC.
2: Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host Nerd Wallets Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more and they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Recorded in Chicago, Illinois with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. Hello
4: and welcome to Triviality, the game where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. My name is Neil and uh, I won't be your host today. We will introduce them in just a moment, but I'm here in the studio with Ken and Jeff. How are you both? Good day. Good day. Good morrow.
5: <laughs> Since we're following the uh, f- the footy, good day.
4: Good day. Yeah, that's true. Good yeah. day. I reckon you are correct, as they would say in Do Aussie. They?
5: Yeah, they say reckon okay. quite a bit.
4: Okay. Uh, so good on you. That's another one for you. I know
5: that one. Yeah.
4: <laughs> So shout out to the Australian listeners. Uh, Matt, how are you doing?
6: I'm oh, doing good. I had my Maccas for breakfast. Uh, everything's going well over here.
4: And for listeners who don't know what that is, that is McDonald's. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Had yeah. yeah. some toast with some Vegemite. <laughs> there you
4: go, I
6: wish. Jeff. No, I did not like the Vegemite. I think that video is still somewhere. Yeah, but it's, it's on our favorite.
3: Patreon if you want to see Matt eat a disgusting piece of toast
4: did with Vegemite. did not
6: like Vegemite. If you no. eat the
3: correct amount, it's good. But if you go
5: overboard, it's bad. Yeah, I guess like anything though, right? I mean...
4: Little too much Nutella, then
5: probably not a good night. See, if you went overboard on Nutella, I think you'd be in better condition.
3: I think your margin for error on Nutella is lower. Right.
5: Okay.
6: Way to really break that down, Jeff. I appreciate that. <laughs>
4: the only thing not breaking it down is Jeff's digestive system, though. Mm. And mine, frankly. <laughs> uh,
3: but uh, let's not talk That's too much.
4: That's what the people come for. Yeah. yeah great.
3: <laughs> they come All for the them. digestive triviality news.
4: Yeah, for the medical, uh, <laughs> the medical discussions, but not the
5: trivia uh but we yesterday had quite a bit of indigestion guys (laughs) did you i'm not talking about this oh okay all right we'll talk about it later it's just a joke that'll
4: be on the patreon bonus we'll talk all about our (laughs) medical issues it'll be a six hour retrospective uh but we have some special guests here today uh who are joining us uh as i said we'll we'll get to our host in just a moment but our special guest contestant today is coming to us from arlington virginia she's an oakland five supporter on patreon which we appreciate and that is cameron terry how are you cameron
0: Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me.
4: Thank you for being here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself?
0: Uh, yeah. So I'm here in the DC area as a law student. I'm in my first year, my 1L year, so I don't have a ton of life going on outside of that right now, as anyone who has a JD, uh, can probably remember, um, But actually a couple of weeks ago, my law school class had a talent show, like the 1L talent show. And I will say, Neil, I'm coming for your impressions crown because I killed with my impression set. So that was something fun that's happened this semester.
4: Wow. That's awesome. Now, what impressions were you doing?
0: I, I mean, I did a couple. I did like Saoirse Ronan, Holly Hunter, a couple of obscure like radio hosts. I think the the big hit was my Queen Elizabeth II, like from mm-hmm. the Claire Foy's and the Crown. Now, would you I think mind- it
6: sounded a little something like this.
0: Which sounded a little something like this. I've had a chance to think about your request to participate in your trivia competition, and weighing it all up, the amount of time I've been a patron and my affection for you all personally, all spoke in its favor.
2: Hey, well, oh, done. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. It's very good. That was very we'll, good. We'll
6: get you to do a rules reading. Yeah. That's <laughs> the queen. After this.
4: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Hopefully yeah. At, the end, <laughs> at
4: the end of the episode, we'll have to hear a little bit of Holly Hunter. Cause that is a hard impression to do, but I, I always enjoy it cause it's, it's uh, so unique. So, um, yeah, thank you for joining us and for that impression. Uh, and you're going to be teaming with Matt today. So Matt, any ideas on a team name from both of you possibly?
6: Um, we weren't sure. What were you guys thinking first?
4: Jeff, I don't know. You said you came in hot today and you had a, a great name for a team.
3: Yeah. So um, we are, uh, I've been I've been singing WAP a lot lately. I'm no, not the one you think. Have uh, you? This is a family friendly show. Uh, I'm referring to the kids' Bop version. This is Waffles and Pancakes. Mm. So we're going to be Waffles and Pancakes.
4: All right. I, I don't even want to know what the lyrics Extra are. Extra syrup. Extra syrup, yeah. Uh, yeah, it makes that syrup game weak. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. How about you, Matt and Cameron?
6: um you know not really sure uh we had a we're doing a food based pun also we're gonna be uh Kale me by your name i believe was the name
4: there you yeah. go all right so a little little nas x reference there uh well we have our team set but we need a host and uh joining us again we had a great time last time he was on the show uh coming to us from minneapolis another patreon supporter which we appreciate and that is chris Hine. how are you chris
7: I'm doing good guys thanks for having me back i guess it wasn't told mm-hmm. your last time i was on here
4: no it wasn't well we're actually contract contractually obligated to have you back on uh but we're okay. still excited about it i
7: uh, i can i have no impressions though so I, I got nothing i got nothing for you guys on that front so sorry
4: we hear you do a really good chris hein
7: yeah i gotta get a little more nasally to to get <laughs> to get that down uh but the Minneapolis cold will help with that.
4: Uh, why don't you remind uh, listeners what you're up to and uh, what you've been doing since the last time you've been on the show?
7: Yeah, so I, uh, I live here in Minneapolis now for about three years. I cover the Minnesota Timberwolves for the Minneapolis Star Tribune, um, and we just had some, some big news on that front yesterday as Alex Rodriguez has agreed mm-hmm. uh, to go on a pathway to becoming the owner of the Timberwolves. So A-Rod coming to a courtside NBA arena near you.
6: I can just picture, uh, A-Rod living it up in Minnesota. That <laughs> seems like his kind of town.
7: <laughs> seems like, seems like a natural fit, doesn't it? Yeah.
4: Now, is he going to be the owner, uh, by himself or is he going to need a little extra help like he had in the MLB?
7: You know he's what I mean? got a, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if that kind of help uh, is coming, but he's got a business uh, business associate guy by the name of Mark Laurie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. that was, uh, that's. Kind of, I guess I don't know how much of the money is behind yeah. this, but they With are the two small, names for the deal. Small injections of funds that he needed
6: is
5: what I oh. will get through. Yep. That. I don't know what you guys are talking about.
4: <laughs> yeah, Ken is, Ken is blissfully aware, but he's just a big Alex Rodriguez fan. <laughs> big Huge. Huge. I love guy. baseball.
5: Is that the <laughs> sport that he plays? Yeah, baseball. Yeah, yes, baseball. okay. <laughs> Uh, Well, thank you,
4: Chris, for joining us and for writing a game. Uh, And uh, I guess we can't start the game without hearing the rules. So Cameron, you're our guest today. Uh, What rules read would you like to hear?
0: Oh, I just love the classic. I'd love to start it off with that.
4: Alright, Darren, take it away.
0: The rules
3: of the game are simple. 20 questions split into two rounds worth 10 points apiece. At halftime, there'll be a special swing round designed by this week's host. After regulation, players will enter the final round with the points that they've accumulated and will have a chance to wager 0 to 30 points on five categorized
5: questions. At the end of the game, someone will be named the Cream of the crop. I am the cream. Everybody says classic. Yeah. You gotta love Darren.
4: You got, I mean, yeah. yeah, he's the man of the people. Uh, so, Chris, feel free to take it away. We're ready to play. And I didn't mean to All rhyme right. that, but uh, <laughs> I'll put on a hat.
7: All right, so a couple notes about these. You suck. <laughs> <laughs> couple notes coming into it here. Um, Neil asked me to to host it with about a week's notice. So I leaned into some of my strengths trivia wise, which kind of revolve around pop culture, entertainment, things like that. So you see a lot of that here and um, categories might offer a hint. They might not. Sometimes I just got lazy and couldn't come up with anything. So so here we go. Number one is Stormtroopers. Over the last 20 years, four different actors have won a total of one Oscar and three primetime Emmys for playing this historical figure. In terms of the Emmys, two actors, Albert Finney and Brendan Gleeson, each took home lead actor in a miniseries for projects titled The Gathering Storm and Into the Storm. More recently, a veteran actor took home the 2017 Emmy for Best Supporting Actor in a Drama for playing this man. It gave him three Emmys in the drama categories to go with three lead actor and a comedy Emmys he won in the 1990s. Name the historical figure for 10 points and the most recent Emmy winner for an extra two.
5: These guys are locked in, in the studio. So what do you guys think?
6: Okay, so we, you know, I initially thought Lincoln, but we ruled that out because we can't think of any miniseries. Um,
0: what were you thinking, Cameron? No, 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 no. I was, I don't know. Um... Thinking about The Crown still, I was thinking either like Elizabeth's father, Bertie, or Winston Churchill, because I think those have both played fairly often, but I don't know if Brandon Gleason has ever played.
6: Well, I think that's a good guess. So, um, you know, let's just lock that in. So we're going to go with Churchill.
4: Jeff and I had a a very similar conversation. We were doing uh, really bad Churchill impressions, uh, talking about, you know, they'll fight us on the seas and on the water. That's really bad. bad. Uh Anyway, uh, we also went Churchill, and I believe for the bonus, we put John Lithgow. So those are our Mm. two answers.
7: And we're getting points for everybody here. The correct answer is Winston Churchill, and John Lithgow is the bonus mm. answer. He played Winston Churchill in season one of The Crown. Cameron, I, with the Claire Foy impression, I thought, wow, this is going to be a – We a-
0: could have replicated the whole show, just, <laughs> yeah, back and forth. <laughs> if,
7: if, only, if only I had a Churchill impression. <laughs> we're not using Neil's. It's no good.
5: <laughs> Neil will not be winning the Oscar. I will not actually,
4: I, I wasn't even doing it from memory. I bet if I heard it, I could do it, but yeah, off the top of my head, it just sounds like I'm a schoolyard bully or something.
7: All right. Great excuses. Let's move on to question two. All right, Question two, uh, you have a shot in the board game pandemic. How many of the four diseases do you have to eradicate before you win the game? Too soon. <laughs> <I> know. Uh, <laughs> I've know.
0: i never played this game before Matt. Have you?
3: No,
5: we're yeah. going to lock in over here. Guys You can feel free to talk. And I know when me and Jeff played pandemic, it ended up like it like it is now. you're, you're Meaning the reason... we always lost. Oh, I was going to say, did you cause the pandemic from playing pandemic? No, I okay. wouldn't say unless unless <laughs> we got our grubby fingers all over the pieces
0: mm. Well, Matt, if there's four diseases apparently yeah. in the game, maybe you have to eradicate, I'd say three or four of them, which yeah, I I, th- I
6: I think that. Four would make the game exceedingly long and tedious. I think th- two would be too easy, so three seems like a good number.
0: All right, we'll lock in with three then.
6: Three for no reason.
3: <laughs> so, what
4: did we lock in with, Joe? We
3: believe it's all four.
7: This was kind of a trick question. Um, you have to cure all four <gasps> diseases to win the game, but you don't—you don't have to eradicate any of them. The correct answer is zero. Oh, no. uh... oh wow. Yeah, you could have you could have like all these disease cubes on the board still, and like the world is on the verge of like these huge outbreaks, but you could still have won the game because you've cured the diseases. So it's very it's very strange. Apropos,
3: I was going to say we've only really yes. eradicated like one or two viruses as humans and so
7: far. We're okay, ish. Right, off to question off to question number three here. They're people too is the category title. Season seven of The Office opens with a lip dub of the nineteen sixty eight top ten cover. Of, this Isley, of the Isley Brothers is Nobody But Me by this group, whose name makes it sound as if it belongs on another NBC sitcom that was airing at the same time.
4: We had a long discussion here. I don't really know The Office. Jeff does, and he recognized the reference, but uh, we are kind of taking a guess, so we're going to lock in with a guess over here.
6: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we also know The Office, I believe, but that does not actually help in this question. So what shows do you think we're on around the same time?
0: We know at the same time, NBC was also airing on its, like, Comedy Thursdays Community and mm-hmm. uh, Parks and Rec and 30 Rock. And so going off the 30 yeah. Rock line, we just made up a band called The Rockabillies because it sounded like something that would exist in 1968.
3: Mm-hmm. It's definitely a genre, but uh, we couldn't pull it. So I don't I don't know. I just kind of threw in the towel.
7: So the correct answer is The Human beings. Uh... Oh, The Green
0: Deal Human! The Greendale oh, Human Balloons. yes.
7: That's awesome. That is, that is the correct They were kind of a one-hit wonder band in the 60s. They didn't really have any other hits, but they had that, that Nobody But Me song with The Office just kind of went with in the opening episode of Season 7. That was their only hit. All right, so they were a one-hit wonder band. So question four has to do with a band that's actually technically a two-hit wonder band. Referenced later in this episode of The Office was this band, who, contrary to public perception, escaped the infamous label of being a one-hit wonder. In 1997, they followed up their massive nonsensical hit with the ballad, I Will Come to You. The song, co-written by two of my personal favorite songwriters, Barry Mann and Cynthia Weil, peaked at number nine on the Hot 100, thereby giving this group a second top ten hit.
4: So our discussion has kind of been all over the place. We talked about New Radicals maybe because we didn't know if they had just two hits or uh, Dunkin' Sheik. We're having a little bit of trouble figuring out the clue of nonsensical hit. Um, And I I, I really have nothing here, Jeff. I'm not really sure what you want to lock in with.
3: Do we just want to say tub thumping? We know it's about the right time. Okay.
4: Yeah, we'll go tub thumping by Chumbawumba is our official answer.
5: Looks like you guys got knocked down.
6: Yeah, I just, I'm thinking 1997. um, We just kind of thought... Uh chumbawamba initially. Um, but then I was just thinking about that bare naked ladies song One Week has a, a lot of nonsensical parts in the middle of it. And I don't know if they have a second hit, but that sounds like it might be it. So we locked in with bare naked ladies
5: over their 30-year uh That's prolific career.
7: So in that episode, the, the episode revolves around nepotism, and Michael Scott has a quote along the lines of do you think they should have had open auditions for the band Hansen? What if no one named Hanson showed up? The correct <laughs> answer is Hansen. Mm. Bop. Question five, the category is speaking of grass. Uh, Creed in the office, Creed Bratton uh, is the actor's name. He was in a, a group in the 60s called the Grassroots. And, and that segues into this question, which says, In 2020, Gallup released data from a poll that posed the following question keeping in mind your answers are confidential do you yourself smoke marijuana what percentage of americans said yes i'll give you a range of 4% either way
5: now now quick question um, for clarification what if you smoke two joints in the morning and smoke two joints at night uh-huh. does, and then that, does that does that count joints. for double or
6: yes yeah, that's smoking for two
5: okay well
4: on that note we we already had uh, a blunt over here so we're locked in
6: oh great <laughs> So we, um, we're we not doing that on this side. Uh, we I started at, I think 20% was a good starting point um, playing higher or lower. And you think it's a little bit higher?
0: Yeah, I'd go closer to 30.
6: Okay, what about 28%? Sounds, sounds good. <laughs> For no reason, again, we're locking in with 28
0: it's, it's not no reason, it's logic and reason.
6: Oh, you're right. For all the logic and reason, we are going with 28%.
4: All right. Uh, we had a discussion over here. I thought maybe it was forty percent, which might seem kind of high. Jeff said maybe not. Let's let's not go that high. So we ended up going with twenty percent to give us uh, you know the teens and the early twenties.
5: And just for the record, my independent uh, guess for no points is forty percent.
7: Okay. So I think this is an exercise in just how truthful Americans are when they fill out polls. Um, the correct answer, according to the Gallup poll, was twelve percent.
0: Oh. Wow. Two
7: percent and eight percent would have given you the correct answer. So I I was sh- shocked when I found that myself. I think people might be lying when
4: they're. Oh uh, yeah, they probably don't trust that the person who's polling them is going to come and find them. You know.
7: Are you a cop? You have to tell me if the, you're. A the cop. pollster had a cop
5: mustache. <laughs> That's the rules. Yeah, tell me you're a cop, pollster. All right. After five questions, it looks like uh, both teams got one question right and bonus points for waffles and pancakes. So it's ten to twelve.
7: Hmm. All right, moving on to question number six. The category is Moo. In 2019, what was the best-selling type of white milk, according to data from the USDA?
4: We are locked in over here.
6: Um, So as the resident milk expert, uh, as it goes in all of our... The milkman. Yeah, as the milkman, as they call me, um, I'm just thinking about Uh, storage space at the grocery store. And it seemed to me like 2% takes up the most space there. So logically, that would be right. Are you okay with us going with 2% Cameron?
0: Yeah, lock it in.
6: All right, we are saying 2%.
4: We had a very similar discussion. We both had 2% growing up in our households. And we thought it's either between that or skim milk, depending on how healthy people wanted to be. And we said, we don't think people are trying to be healthy. So we also locked in with 2%.
2: Edging
7: out two percent for the first time in a few years was whole milk. Wow, whole milk is on an upward swing uh, recently in America. Go figure, right? With all the health kicks going on, but whole milk was the best-selling type of white milk.
6: That makes sense to me, though, because I think all the people that are health conscious are switching to almond or soy or some of the
7: alternatives. That is true. So, uh-huh.
2: yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> all
7: right, off to off to question number seven. On that note, um, the category is incoming. At the Emmys last year, Dan Levy won for writing, directing, and acting in *Schitt's Creek*. In doing so, he duplicated a mm-hmm. feat accomplished by this famous actor, who pulled it off in the 1970s over multiple years.
4: Okay, we are locked in over here.
6: Okay, um, so 70s TV um, boy, not not a strong suit for me or you either, right?
0: No, not at all. This
3: was before uh, your TJF era, Matt.
6: <laughs> yeah. My my TV knowledge starts and ends with Full House, to be honest. Uh so I think I think um we're thinking Andy Kaufman, uh just thinking he was possibly winning some Emmys for being on Taxi. Uh I don't know if he did any writing or directing. I think he did it around that time, doing different one man shows and that kind of thing. So we're just gonna lock in with Andy Kaufman.
4: We had a a discussion about uh, actors, directors, sort of all-around talents uh, in the 70s. First, we said maybe Dick Van Dyke, but we knew he was uh, more, I guess, in the 60s. But off that train, uh, we went to Carl Reiner, who had written on Dick Van Dyke and was also an actor. Uh, We thought, well, maybe, maybe not. And we thought maybe Ed Asner, but we actually settled on Rob Reiner uh, because he was on All in the Family. He is a very successful director. Uh, and writer, and we thought maybe he could have pulled off this feat. So that's our official answer.
7: The category was, it was a bit of a clue here. Uh, incoming is something that was often said in the show mash when wounded mm. into the camp. And Alan Alda is the correct answer.
5: Now, Alan, what do you think about that? Well,
4: uh, well, guys, uh, I, I love that you uh, included me here on uh, no, on the podcast. Christopher Walken. <laughs> no, I, I need to get into Alan Aldo. I have to do the SNL impression, and then I can get into it. Uh, Bill Hader,
7: who has the best <laughs> you have to do you have, to, you have to do Bill Hader's impression of Alan Aldo. Which yes. is
5: perfect, so it yeah. might it's as perfect. well be Alan yeah. Aldo. The
0: same thing. <laughs> yeah.
5: Same thing,
7: exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right, off to question number eight here. More Emmys uh, in the best game show host category at the 1990 and 91 Daytime Emmys, there were three nominees, Bob Barker for The Price is Right, Alex Trebek for Jeopardy, and Alex Trebek again for a second show that he hosted at the time. What was that memory-based show?
4: All right, we are locked in over here.
6: All right, you guys are locked in. Um, I remember seeing this on the Game Show Network, which my mom loved in the mid to late 90s. Um, so do you remember the game Concentration? Cameron?
0: Uh, I do not, unfortunately. <laughs>
6: yeah, it's just it's just a basic matching game, I think, was the premise of it. I'm pretty sure Alex Trebek hosted it, so we're going to lock in with Concentration.
3: Oh, man, I hope that's right. I was describing to Neil Alex Trebek hosting, and then they'd have like pictures that would be exposed, and then the first person to guess it would get the answer, and then they'd have matching speed rounds, and you could win a car, and I couldn't remember the name of it. Concentration is what we guessed, so I hope you're right
7: and you can smile now it is concentration technically classic concentration but we will accept uh we will accept concentration that's it (laughs) it's a correct answer
5: not to be confused with the uh, childhood game perfection which oh uh, yeah which is probably responsible for much of my anxiety hasn't it
3: (laughs) i saw somebody (laughs) built a like a, a 10 by 10 foot life-size constant or uh, perfection game you should see it on youtube it's pretty and, and when
5: it pops it just like sends them flying no it's on
3: a wall so it like shoots out at you <laughs> which one's perfection again
5: that's the one when you put the little shapes into the board oh before yeah. it explodes oh and that you, was in a your fun face one. And, and a sharp uh, plastic object goes into your eyeball
4: what, what was the remember the one where it was like a bunch of ice and you had to like don't break the ice don't break the ice yeah you had to chisel that, that was, was a, fun that was a fun one
5: you kill the little man yeah who's sitting there on the ice for some reason
4: yeah, actually, you know, I had a surgery when I was a little kid where I put um, some uh, metallic things inside my body. So if I ever had an operation, it would just test the doctors that much more.
7: <laughs> Question nine is a nod to Alex's native land. So Alex Rebecca is from Canada. Uh, what is Canada's fourth largest metropolitan area by population?
6: All right. So let's go through the city. So Toronto, probably biggest, right? Yep. Somewhere around there. Uh, you said Vancouver and Montreal.
0: Mm-hmm.
6: Um, what are we thinking for the fourth one?
0: Yeah, so we know that there's a lot of medium-sized cities like Edmonton <laughs> and Calgary, but we think that Ottawa should probably be fourth. Like it's smaller than most people think it is, but it's still bigger big. than the others. Um, and mm-hmm. Matt was mentioning that they have a professional sports team and that usually indicates some sort of size. So yeah. wait, we're going to lock in with Ottawa.
3: I couldn't remember if Ottawa was that big. We said Calgary.
7: Somebody's getting points here. The correct answer is, drum roll, Calgary. Oh. Wow. Uh. Calgary, is, Calgary also has pro sports team. They've got the, uh, they've got the hockey team there in the Calgary. Flames. Mm-hmm. The Flames. flames. Uh, question 10. We close the first round with sports. Uh, Urban Meyer recently took over as coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. If Meyer wins a Super Bowl, he would join an exclusive list of three other coaches who have won both the Super Bowl and a college national championship, determined by either the BCS or Associated Press. Name one of the other three, two bonus points for getting the others.
4: Okay, so the other team locked in. Um, Jeff, I can't really poll many college coaches i know we know nick saban he failed the nfl the dolphins uh but he, he wins a lot in college uh maybe i was thinking like an older coach like don shula who had a lot of success in the nfl i don't know if he coached college either right uh we had we kind of talked a little bit about like coaches that uh were famous for college so pete carroll i know was at usc i know he won a lot there i don't know if he won a national championship he definitely
3: we, won a super bowl though so that's we know that
4: yeah um and then you had mentioned uh bear bryant but i don't know if he coached in the nfl so what do you think about that list i'll let you pick that's like six names i don't know uh, I
5: remember to pick some bonus answers
4: you too. liked uh shula right maybe it's because he's older he's successful so shula and pete carroll Pete carroll yeah okay all right we'll lock in with don shula and pete carroll
6: um yeah so this one was all me, uh Cameron said. She said I'm not helpful there. Um, so I went with an old name. I'm almost pretty sure that Barry Switzer won a Super Bowl with the Cowboys and was the coach of Oklahoma. Um, so that's gonna be our our lock-in answer. I'm pretty sure Pete Carroll won with the Seahawks and also won with USC. Um, and then Chip Kelly was the coach of that Philly team that won the Super Bowl, I believe
7: um so we said chip kelly as the other one all right so both teams are getting points on this one pete carroll is one of the three coaches uh winning a super bowl with the seahawks and then at usc the other two answers are jimmy johnson and i think matt pulled the hardest one here by getting barry switzer Mm. super bowl with the cowboys and national titles with oklahoma
5: At the end of the first round, it is Kale Me By Your Name with 32 points in second place and uh, with a slight lead, Waffles and Pancakes, WAP, with 42 points.
7: Moving on to the swing round. Uh, The category is Sisters Are Doing It For Themselves. These are songs that were made famous by prominent female singers that were written or co-written by other famous female singer-songwriters. I'll give you the title of the song and the year of the most popular version. Some answers uh, may be used twice. So there are going to be some repeats showing up here. Uh, And I'll give you another hint, too. If you can kind of think about the the year and the time frame of what artists might have been popular during that time, it might lead you to who some of the writers were. Um, So here we go. You'll get two points for the singer, three points for the songwriter. Number one is sisters are doing it for themselves from 1985. Number two is I Will Always Love You from 1992. Number three is Diamonds from 2012. Number four is This Is What You Came For, 2016. Number five, Where Are You Christmas, 2000. Number six, Till The World Ends, 2011. Number seven, Miss Independent, 2003. Number eight, I Do Not Hook Up, 2009. Number nine, Breakaway, 2004. And number 10, You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman, 1967.
4: All right, we will go over these questions and be back with our answers.
2: Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances.
4: All the answers are now locked in. Let's go back to Chris for the questions. We'll give our answers.
7: Today's swing round was sisters are doing it for themselves. These were songs made famous by prominent female singers, written or co-written by other famous female singer-songwriters. Two points for the singer, three for the songwriter. Number one was sisters are doing it for themselves from 1985.
4: This one we had a little trouble with. It was something that was outside of our range, but we just took a big guess and said it was Wilson and or Phillips for both.
6: <laughs> we'll it, to philip singing it. i don't know uh we we didn't know this one either uh we thought maybe this is a down a summer joint it's you know a little fun upbeat and we thought cindy lopper just having
7: fun and writing the song Kale me by your name circled this one uh when their discussion the correct the correct answers are singer aretha franklin mm. annie lennox mm. it's very popular in the mid 80s you did uh, say aretha uh, at one point you did yep Uh, Number two is I Will Always Love You from 1992.
4: This one we knew right away, uh, famously written by Dolly Parton, who also performed a great version of it and uh, made more famous by Whitney Houston.
0: Yeah, we also knew this one pretty much immediately. We had Whitney Houston singing and Dolly Parton writing.
7: And five points for both teams. Mm -hmm. Whitney Houston, writer Dolly Parton. Uh, Number three is Diamonds from 2012.
4: This one, we had a little bit of a discussion on. Uh, we thought maybe it was the Shine Bright Like a Diamond uh, song, but even though it's not plural, but we said it was sung by Rihanna and maybe written by Sia before she became huge.
6: Um, I hope you guys are right, because we literally said the same thing, Rihanna and Sia.
7: And both teams are right. Five points for both. Wow. That's the singer. Writer is Sia. Very good on that one. Uh, number four is this is what you came for from 2016.
4: Yeah, this one we had uh, no idea. Uh, I think Ken said it was the only one he knew right away. Um, so we we didn't know. We kind of just uh, locked in with uh, Engelbert
5: Humperdinck. <laughs> that is not a good lock in. <laughs> I think you're wrong. <clears throat> uh,
0: we just followed the logic of the last question. Matt was pretty sure that this was sung by Rihanna. And then... Knowing that Sia wrote a lot of songs, we put Sia here again as
7: the writer. Like I said, there were going to be some repeats here. Uh, Rihanna is the singer of this song. Um, the writer is actually Taylor Swift. Mm. Oh. Oh. She wrote it with Calvin Harris when they were together, and after they broke up, it became a, a big hit for Rihanna.
5: Okay, so that's two points for Kill Me By Your Name.
7: Yep. Uh, number five is where are you christmas uh from dr from uh, dr seuss's how the grinch stole christmas from 2000
4: oh yeah this is the only reason i knew this one uh i believe it was sung by cindy Luhu, who, who was uh, played by taylor Momsen, uh who would go on to have her own singing career and i want to say it was written by mariah carey because i've heard her sing this i think on her christmas special so that's our, our official answer
6: So we also went with the Mariah Carey route thinking maybe it was off a Christmas album that the big hit came from. So we said it was actually sung by Mariah Carey and we won't
7: written by Madonna. So the commercial version of the song was uh, sung by Faith Hill, but I'll give, I'll give Neil points for the, for the deep knowledge there. Um, The writer actually is Mariah Carey. Um, She wrote the song. She's never performed it. Mm. She did have a hand in writing it. So I'll give five points for, for, waffles and pancakes there and i'll give three for for kale for having mariah carey's association with that song um moving on to number six uh till the world ends 2011.
4: yeah this one we had no idea uh we kind of blanked out on this one as well uh we said that this was uh you know written by rem because it's the end of the world or maybe that's Radio speedwagon i can never remember and we said it was uh performed by uh lil john <laughs>
0: Okay. Uh, we thought that this might have been sung by Britney Spears, so we put her as the singer. And then we put Gwen Stefani as the writer, just because we like her a lot.
7: Tell Me By Your Name gets two points for getting Britney Spears as the singer. The writer is Kesha. Oh, that's right. Who also appeared on a remix of the song. It kind of sounds like a Kesha song, now that mm-hmm. I think about it. Uh, number seven is Miss Independent from 2003.
3: Uh, kelly clarkson uh,
7: <laughs> and
3: uh we, we couldn't figure out the writer
6: yeah we also um 100 sure this one's kelly clarkson we thought maybe this one was written by madonna
7: so two points for both teams here kelly clarkson is the singer the co-writer is christina aguilera
4: mm. oh that kind of that makes sense yeah mm-hmm.
7: oh boy that's gonna be bad that's... for our number nine if you had just kind of switched it on your number nine, guess, Yep. Uh, number, number eight is I do not hook up from 2009.
4: We, we weren't sure on this. I, I knew Nellie Furtado had sort of a resurgence uh, more in, I guess, a different type of pop in that era when she was working with Timbaland and stuff. So we said it was Nellie Furtado as far as the writer though. We, we didn't know. So that was our only guess.
0: We had a whole string of Kelly Clarkson's over here. We said Kelly Clarkson sung this one. And then for the writer, we put Beyonce.
7: Kelly Clarkson is again the singer, so two points for you guys. The writer is Katy Perry.
5: Mm. Oh, so that's uh, two points for Kale and no points for Waffles.
7: Correct. Yep. Okay. And moving on to number nine, "Breakaway" from two thousand four.
3: Um, yeah, keeping the the stream running, I guess. Kelly Clarkson was our guest for this, and uh, no writer.
6: <laughs> it just it just existed at one point. Just, no one yep. wrote it.
5: Popped into existence. <laughs> with the big bang
3: we
6: said uh we also said kelly clarkson um and this is the one we thought christina aguilera wrote
7: said you guys were so close on that one um kelly clarkson is the singer the co-writer on that one is avril Lavigne.
5: oh mm-hmm. so
6: yeah, much for our happy that time
7: that's right
5: <laughs> <laughs> the world's only spontaneously generated song
0: why is it so complicated
5: yeah uh, and-
4: now
7: is this
5: written by the real Alver- avril Lavigne or the doppelganger
7: uh, unconfirmed maybe that's why it appeared out of nowhere because
5: man you guys just keep uh, answering it. kelly clarkson again and again and again and again <laughs> that, was good. that was
7: good uh number 10 uh you make me feel like a natural woman from 1967
4: yeah this was a nice team effort uh between me and jeff i was i couldn't for the life of me think of the uh the theme song writer of gilmore girls who's written just you know many 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 hits over the course of history and you said jeff
3: no, that would be Carol King.
4: Carol King, and then we we kind of discussed who would have sung it, uh, and we landed on Aretha Franklin. That was our guess. Yep,
0: yeah, we had the same combination. I know this from watching way too many of the Kennedy Center Honors videos on YouTube, and Aretha Franklin sang the song for the writer of it, Carol King, at her honors ceremony.
7: Both teams nailed it to close out the swing round. Aretha Franklin, the original singer. Carol King, the writer.
5: Looks like Kale Me By Your Name picked up 28 points in that swing round uh, and Waffles and Pancakes picked up 24, bringing the total scores to 60 for Kale and 66 for WAP.
7: Moving into round two, uh, question 11. Building off that last category, um, Mariah Carey, Sheryl Crow, and Lauren Hill are among the very few women in the history of the Grammy Awards to be nominated in this category. Since its creation in 1975, this award has only been won by men. The most recent winner is Andrew Watt in 2021.
6: Okay, so you guys are locked in. Um, So we're thinking about what would only men be winning from 1975 to now? Um, It seems like there's more men in the production side, right? Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, that's, that's what we thought.
6: Yeah, so I think, um, I I was thinking that Lauryn Hill potentially produced her album that won all those Grammys, so maybe she was nominated for uh, Producer of the Year, Uh, so we locked in with Producer of the Year, I guess.
4: We had a very similar discussion, Uh, we didn't think it was Best New Artist or uh, anything like that, and we also thought Lauryn Hill uh, probably had some producing, and we just said producing, that was what the award was for.
7: Both teams have uh, figured this one out. <clears throat> the correct answer is producer of the year. Uh, Mariah Carey, Sheryl Crow, Lauren Hill, I think Paula Cole, uh, kind of that, that late 90s singer-songwriter movement. There were a couple nominations there for women, but for the most part, this award has been dominated by men. Producer of the year is correct. Moving on to question 12, musical math. I want you to figure out the following math problem. The number of miles the proclaimers would walk to fall down at your door, times the miles Vanessa Carlton would walk if she could just see you, times the monetary amount the bare naked ladies would buy your love if they had it, divided by the minimum monetary amount Travi McCoy would need to fulfill the goal he, with Bruno Mars, wants so effing bad.
3: We will lock in.
6: So you guys are locked in. Okay, so let's break this down. How many miles was it to walk to the door?
0: Yeah, <laughs> you so said a thousand, I, right? Right, because it's five hundred plus five hundred. And
6: then, yeah, so that's a thousand. And then how many Vanessa Carlton's singing about? She'd walk a
0: thousand miles just to uh-huh. see you.
6: And the bare naked lady. Really if original. They had, if they had a hundred bucks, so now we're at a hundred million. And the the Bruno. Travy McCoy song, I believe, is if I was a billionaire. So we're dividing by a billion. So does that get us one tenth?
2: Mm-hmm. One tenth. So we, we are lo- we think, Yeah.
6: Yeah. We're, we're locking in with a fraction. We don't care. Whatever. We're locked <laughs> Man, in. the
5: bare naked ladies are killing you today, Matt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Your lack of BNL. Oh, knowledge it's uh, if I had a
3: million dollars. Annihilating oh, you. Matt. <laughs> yeah. Ken and I may have done this song at a karaoke as a duo, uh, duet. I guess would be the correct we
5: did do it
3: yes um so it's a, if i had a million so we figure a thousand yeah. times a thousand is a million times a million is a trillion divided by a billion a thousand so that's our answer uh. one thousand
7: waffles and pancakes gets points it is a thousand and they correctly sussed it all out we have a thousand miles for the proclaimers a thousand miles for vanessa carlton a million dollars to buy your love and travi mccoy and Bruno mars want to be billionaires but don't forget they'd also buy craft dinner so
0: who would have guessed in that question? It wouldn't have been the math. It would have been the bare naked Ladies fan knowledge that would have gotten us.
3: Always. Four Junos, people.
4: And as we said over <laughs> here, the, the Proclaimers actually walked a thousand. A thousand a thousand. <laughs> a
7: thousand. a thousand miles. Moving on to question 13, fill in the blank. I'm going to read you the first sentence from an associated press story that was published on March 7th, 1998. Without fanfare or even a routine announcement, President Clinton signed a bill today giving blank official designation as one of the Great Lakes, at least as far as federal research money goes. It seemed a senator at the time slipped an amendment into a bill to get this lake research money, and in the process it created a stir about naming it a sixth Great Lake, at least temporarily.
3: Okay, Neil and I are going to lock in with a guess, even though I think we're totally wrong, so
6: we'll Mm -hmm. see. Um, so we were thinking, uh, Cameron, what was, what was the lake you were thinking?
0: We were thinking maybe it's Lake of the Ozarks because that's Mm -hmm. in Missouri and Bill Clinton being from Arkansas, which has the Ozark mountains in it a little bit, maybe Mm -hmm. wanting to throw his buddy a bone.
6: Yeah. So we're, we're locking in with that Lake of the Ozarks.
3: Okay. Um, for some reason, I think it's a much smaller lake that's like between Vermont and new hampshire but i can't remember the name of that lake so we guessed what i think is the sixth largest lake in the u.s touches which would be uh, okeechobee
7: you guys were very close it is that lake between vermont and new hampshire called lake champlain
3: mm. damn it
7: senator from vermont patrick Leahy was the one who snuck that amendment into the bill
3: it's weird to think that i remembered that story from when i was a kid but couldn't remember the lake
7: moving on to question 14 Another cow question? Question mark. An article in the New York Times recently discussed perplexing and fascinating results of an experiment out of the Fermi Lab in Illinois involving these particles. They are sometimes called fat electrons, in part because they have a negative charge and carry much more mass. The experiments noticed that these particles are potentially disobeying laws of physics because they are wobbled because they wobbled like spinning tops. When subjected to an intense magnetic field in a manner inexplicable with current calculations, what are these particles known as?
4: Okay, we are going to lock in quickly over here. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> um,
6: so I remember the story. It is uh, because they they think it might actually be a new force that they're not sure of, or it's, it, they've it's it's something that gravity and force and the other things don't necessarily explain. Um, I think. It, he said it's another cow question. And I remember hearing muon as potentially a type of particle, and I think this might be that. Do you agree?
0: I I like the reasoning there. Yeah, let's go for it.
6: Okay, so we're gonna lock in with muon,
3: and uh, we have locked in with muon.
7: Both teams got it though. The category was a was a bit of a hint, and muon is the correct answer. It popped up in my Twitter feed with people, you know, saying this is. F- Fine, all all across Twitter that there might be particles that are disobeying the laws of physics, so fun week Yep.
5: <laughs> and I believe a Muon is actually the 152nd Pokemon uh, 151
3: 150. yes. Muon 2 is, is 149
7: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> or 150 <laughs> we are on to question 15 this is called Neil's Layup Oscar question what do the following people have in common when it comes to the Academy Awards Billy Wilder, Charles Brackett, Patty Chayefsky, Francis Ford Coppola, Horton Foote, William Goldman, Robert Benton, Bo Goldman, and the Coen brothers.
4: We are locked in over here.
6: Okay. Um, So initially we thought maybe these were their debuts being nominated for best director, Um, but that didn't seem we didn't seem like we would know all these names so we we were locking in with they had multiple movies uh nominated in the same year for best direction is what we said
4: we um at first thought it was just not too complicated we said they all won for writing i knew all the all these guys won for uh screenplay uh cohen brothers no country for old men um godfather but coppola also won for patton Um, but then we just thought if, if we need to be more specific, um, those are all based on books. So we said adapted screenplay.
7: Neil was circling it. Um, all these people have won Oscars for writing both original and adapted screenplays. They've won multiple Oscars in both of those categories. Bit of a stumper there.
5: Okay, after five questions, looks like Kale uh, Me By Your Name picked up another 20 points, bringing them to 80. Uh, picking up another 30 points is WAP, and they are at 96.
7: Moving on to question 16, Masters of the Craft. As we tape this, the Masters is going on. Uh, in ter- terms of strokes under par, what is the record, the Masters record, for lowest score under par over four rounds? Which is actually set in November 2020 when Dustin Johnson finished with this score I'll give you a range of two strokes either way
4: we will lock in over here
6: two you said either way yeah two either way okay um so i know tiger had the record um and i think it was like 18 or 19 under so dustin johnson had to have beaten that um are you okay with 20 under yeah Yeah. I have no knowledge here, but that sounds, that sounds fine. Not a big golf fan. No, no. Uh, No. Me either. Unless Tiger's in it and he hasn't been lately. So Uh, we're going to go with 20 under par.
3: Yeah. Tris, trying to figure this out. I, I thought 20 sounded right, but just to hedge our bets a little bit, we went 18. So
7: both teams are getting points on this. The correct answer is 20 under par. Uh, nice job, Matt. Twenty under par, Tiger Woods did have 1,800, uh, and I think a few other guys joined him at 1,800 over the years until Dustin Johnson in 2020. Question 17 is more numbers. What is the maximum number of years a president can currently serve?
3: We are locked in.
6: I think uh, it depends on how you're rounding up or not. I think it's 10. Um, I think if you... If you take over from a sitting vice president um, with one or with two years left, you can be nominated for a second term after finishing out the first two, your term, and then another term.
0: So, we man, we just did this unit in con law, so I'm going to be pretty mad if I get this wrong. But I thought that if you are the vice president and then you succeed to the the president's term, you can you can only then be elected for one full term of your own. So mm-hmm. they, so they're limited, I think, to but But
6: it, it doesn't matter how long um, they have left on the 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 original one. Like if, if, if it was three years in, you wouldn't be able to run for a second term. Oh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so
0: maybe, like, maybe it is like uh, so if there's like so less than half of the term left or something. Yeah,
6: like so I was thinking it's either nine or ten. Um, and I yeah. can't remember which one do you want to go with?
0: Let's, let's go with 10. Yeah. And whatever it is, I'll make sure to get this right on the exam after, <laughs> after this discussion of it. <laughs>
3: sure. So we're locked in with 10. Yep. we're pretty sure that the rule states that if you have served less than half of the previous, you are allowed to ser- uh, run for two full terms. So we said 10.
7: Both teams get it. Correct. 10 years is the correct answer. All right. 10 points for both teams. I think because there was some uh, discussion when LBJ took over for JFK um, after he won election on his own, whether he was going to run again. And he would have served, I think, maybe like nine to 10 years if he had decided to run again. But with Vietnam happening, he decided not to run again. That was the only kind of scenario where that came into play.
3: Yeah, I don't know if that was him or the party, but he was definitely not getting reelected.
7: Hmm. Yeah, 100%. Okay, number Question number 18 is applied rankings. According to Forbes, what were the five most downloaded apps worldwide of 2020? Two points for getting each of these correct.
6: Okay. So we're thinking, you know, pandemic era. We're looking at probably um, communication apps and food apps. So which ones were you thinking strongly about?
0: Uh, so we were thinking Zoom for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt mentioned probably Skype as well. And then for food, we pegged Uber Eats and DoorDash. And then yep. Matt, what's the the fifth one that we were thinking of?
6: Yeah, I think a little bit of, uh, I think some entertainment there. So we're going with Netflix too.
4: Those are great guesses. We didn't even think about food. That was a great way to go down. It's just
3: weird because I'm always thinking about food. <laughs> right.
4: Uh, yeah, so we said Zoom, TikTok, uh, oh, TikTok. <sighs> Slack. Yeah. Uh, cause maybe, you know, for work from home, uh, Spotify, and then Jeff, what was the one with the stocks? Robinhood, Robinhood.
6: I thought
7: Robinhood too. I think that was later. Well, teams will get some points here. Uh, the correct five answers are TikTok, WhatsApp, Facebook, Instagram, and Zoom. Wow. So four. some of them, you got, you guys got four. Kale Me By Your Name gets two. Wow. Moving on to question 19 category is memory check, put these video game systems in order by when they had a North American release date, PlayStation two, Sega Dreamcast, Sega Genesis, Super Nintendo, Atari Jaguar, and Nintendo GameCube.
0: We
4: are locked in over here.
0: Yeah. Just, just go with your, your gut.
6: Yeah, so this is this is all kind of my memory. It's kind of like these are in blocks. Like I think Sega, Super Nintendo, and Jaguar is all around the same time, and then Dreamcast, GameCube, and PS2 were around the, a little bit later. So, uh, but we're gonna lock in with I think I think the Genesis was first, um, and then Super Nintendo came out, and then the Atari Jaguar, and then we're going Dreamcast, GameCube, then PS2.
4: Okay. We had a similar discussion. I didn't I didn't even think about Genesis being first, but we locked in with uh, Super Nintendo 1, Jaguar 2, Genesis 3, PS2 4, Dreamcast 5, GameCube 6.
7: Okay. The correct order is Sega Genesis 1, Super Nintendo 2, Jaguar 3, Dreamcast 4, PlayStation two oh. five and then GameCube six, Matt, you were so close. Yeah.
3: I, I was thinking, I told Neil, I thought maybe, um, dreamcast was up before PS two, but still wouldn't have got it.
7: <laughs> um, going on to the last question of the, of the second round, this famous author who passed away in March at 104 was famous for setting most of her young adult novels in her neighborhood in Northeast Portland, Oregon.
4: I, I think we can lock in. Okay. I
0: think I know this one as well, actually, Matt.
6: That's good, because I don't.
0: I think this is Judy Bloom. I, I feel like I just saw a headline about her passing away. I, I read those books growing up. Okay.
4: I Yeah, I, I saw a Twitter exchange. Uh, I want to say it was an author who I think is continuing her series. I could be wrong, and she's writing in the similar style, uh, or got, at least got hired to do that, uh, and we locked in with Judy Bloom as well.
7: Correct answer is Beverly Cleary. Oh, I wrote,
4: I wrote down both, no.
3: but they went the
7: wrong way.
0: Okay. My, my apologies to Judy Bloom if she's still alive and out there.
3: Born <laughs> so February 12th, we, 1938, and still oh, living.
7: Judy oh, Bloom. I was going to no. say, did we? I, this podcast just killed off Judy Bloom. Way oh, to go no.
0: <laughs> I'd like to offer a public apology to Judy Bloom.
7: <laughs> After
5: regulation, Kale Me By Your Name is in second place with a respectable 102. Waffles and pancakes, 120. Looks like they're slathering that extra syrup right on there.
7: Here we go with the categories for the bonus round. Fairly straightforward here. Sports ball and pucks, box office receipts, billboard charts, history of games, and eclectic Grammys company.
5: The wagers are now locked in, so let's have the questions.
7: In sports ball and pucks, how many cities or markets in America have at least one team in each of the four major sports? And I will give you a hint, San Jose is considered the Bay Area. Box office receipts. In 2020, because of the pandemic, the highest grossing movie in the U.S. at the box office was Bad Boys for Life, which took in just over $200 million. It was the lowest total for the highest grossing movie of the year since 1995, when this movie took in just north of $184 million her box office mojo billboard charts in 2000, 2001, the number one songs for the year on the hot 100 were songs that did not hit number one at any point during their chart run, both peaked at number two, but had accrued enough chart points over their runs to rank number one for their respective years. One was a ballad by a female country singer who crossed over to the pop charts with a song title that describes a bodily function. The other is a melodramatic pop rock song from an all-male group from California. This group had two top five hits on the Hot 100, the other song called You and Me, and peaked at number five in 2005. Name both songs and artists. In history of games, this year marks the 50th anniversary of this classic game that three student teachers in Minneapolis devised for one of their eighth grade classes at Bryant Junior High. Fun fact, Prince was in eighth grade at the school at the time. Maybe he waited in line to play this game at the computer on the school's library. Eclectic Grammys company. In the various iterations of the Grammy for best spoken word album, three people have won the award three times. One is a former US president. One is a legendary Titan of filmmaking who won his awards in 1977, 79 and 82. And the third is a trailblazing writer who won her awards in 1994, 96, and 2003. Who are they?
5: All right. Looks like both teams have a uh, challenge ahead of them. So we'll have them deliberate, and we'll be right back.
2: Hey there. I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know
4: and
7: the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industry shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term
4: perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen.
2: Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Calling all kids in the car. Brittany and Meredith here from the Chart Topping Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. Are you dreading another silent car ride with a fam? teens, toddlers, adults, it doesn't matter. Spark their curiosity and challenge their brains with every episode. New episodes drop weekly wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast and turn those car rides into epic adventures.
5: And we are back for our final answers. me by your name, wagered 20 points all the way down and WAP wagered 15 points all the way down. So we'll see how it pans out.
7: All right. Question one was sports ball and pucks. How many cities or markets in america have at least one team in each of the four major sports
3: yeah well we totally misheard this one we were thinking the other way around how many cities have at least <laughs> one team in one of the four major sports so we said 39.
6: Mm, um yeah i started going through the list just going through nba teams and then i just couldn't do it anymore and uh it said 24.
7: the correct answer is 13. Mm. cities that have a representative in each of the sports is kind of the Bay Area, San Francisco, Oakland Market, Phoenix, Denver, L.A., New York, Chicago, D.C., Miami, Dallas, Philly, Boston, Minneapolis, and Detroit. Mm-hmm. Moving on to box office receipts. In 2020, because of the pandemic, the highest grossing movie in the U.S. was Bad Boys for Life, which took in just over $200 million. It was the lowest total for the highest grossing movie of the year since 1995 when this movie took in just north of 184 million per box office mojo.
4: Yeah. So we were having uh kind of trouble deciding. We knew that I think 95 is when Braveheart came out and, uh, and won uh, the Oscar for best picture the following year, but we didn't think it would have made that much money. Um, and then we, we were kind of down between Batman uh, forever. I think it would have been. Yeah. With Val Kilmer um, and then toy story. And we, we thought, you know, Toy Story was sort of the first in the uh, age of the animated movie, so maybe it didn't make a ton of mo- a ton of money. So we leaned on uh, Batman Forever as our answer.
6: As a person that owned all those glass cups from McDonald's, I was really hoping it was Batman Forever. So we said Batman Forever.
7: Both teams wrote in on it. <laughs> the correct answer is Batman Forever. Both teams get their wagers on that one. Moving on to the Billboard charts, in 2000, 2001, the number one songs for the year on the Hot 100 were songs that did not hit number one at any point during their chart run. Both peaked at number two. One was a ballad by a female country singer who crossed over to the pop charts with a song that describes a bodily function. The other is a melodramatic pop rock song from an all-male group from California. This group had two top five hits on the Hot 100, the other being called You and Me, and peaked at number five in two thousand five. Name both songs and artists.
4: We couldn't come up with the songs, but we knew. I think perhaps the most uh, successful country artist slash pop artist uh, we want Shania Twain. And uh, for the all male group, uh, we just were trying to think who was popular then, and uh, we went with uh, Creed.
6: Wow, I think it's a song that you guys really enjoy. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's "Lifehouse," "Hanging by a Moment." Um, And then the female singer, uh, I believe, is Faith Hill with the bodily function of breathing. So the song is Breathe.
7: Matt and Cameron get their wager. It is Faith Hill with Breathe and Lifehouse Hanging by a Moment. Moving on to history of games. This year marks the 50th anniversary of this classic game that three student teachers in Minneapolis devised for one of their eighth grade classes at Bryant Junior High. Fun fact, Prince was in eighth grade at the school at the time. Maybe he waited in line to play the game at the computer in the school's library.
3: Well, we figured if it's an early computer game and it has to do with things in line, maybe lining up, we said Tetris. Mm. Not Russian at all.
6: Uh, Cameron, what did we say?
0: Uh, We hooked on to pretty much the same line of thinking about early computer games waiting in line, but the most line like game we could think of was snake so that's what we locked in
7: with if fear i might have thrown you off with the line the 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 computer was more of the clue in this question what's a computer game that a lot of middle school kids play that we oregon won- trail at some point oregon trail is-
6: oh man we said that yes. too we were, we were I talking it. about it yeah. I heard it said <laughs> And isn't isn't the MEC like Minnesota Computing Company or whatever it is? I think it is. Yeah, yeah, yep. that's, that's
7: that's that's who yeah. widely distributed throughout the state. Yeah, first. that makes yes. sense. Yeah. Oh, I should have exactly. known that.
5: All right. Well, it looks like it uh, will come down to this last question hmm. to determine. Very the winner. exciting.
7: Eclectic Grammys company in the various iterations of the Grammy for Best Spoken Word Album, three people have won the award three times. One is a former U.S. president. One is a legendary titan of filmmaking who won his three awards in 77, 79, and 82. The third is a trailblazing writer who won her awards in 94, 96, and 2003. Who are they?
4: We had a long discussion about this one. Uh, we know, I believe, Obama won at least twice uh, for two of his books. So we we locked in with Obama for the president. Uh, We were between Maya Angelou and Toni Morrison for uh, The Writer. Uh, I think we settled on Maya Angelou. And then for The Titan of Filmmaking, late 70s, we knew it wasn't George Lucas who would do something like this, wasn't Coppola, uh, wasn't Stanley Kubrick for sure, uh, or some other directors. And we just thought, who has a very famous voice and does voiceover work? And we uh, locked in with Orson Welles for The Filmmaker.
6: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Orson Welles is a good one. I would listen to his audiobooks or whatever um uh we thought it might be Maya Angelou uh that's what we locked in for the writer um for the president I didn't think that uh Obama had three out but he probably does by now um so but we said Jimmy Carter um and then for the film director uh couldn't think of anybody so it went with, uh Coppola.
7: The correct answers are Maya Angelou, Orson Welles, and jimmy carter
5: oh man
6: (laughs) you guys are so
7: close so close on that one
5: all right it was a nail biter waffles and pancakes lost just a little bit more on their wagers and ended up at 75 points and your winner today kale me by your name you are the kale of the crop
3: i am the cream
5: yeah great game guys wow 85 uh 82 points for you guys
6: today it's a a defensive struggle out here
7: (laughs) It was uh, la- last time I came on here, I think some scoring records might've been set. So I tried to amp up the difficulty a little bit. Maybe I did a little too much. <laughs>
4: <laughs> That's all right. You tipped the scale one way. And now that means, so the third episode, when you come back another time, that'll be right, yeah.
7: right, right in the sweet spot. <laughs> That's
4: right. Uh, well, let's start with you, Chris. Thank you for uh, putting this game together for us. Uh, where can people <laughs> find you if they want to read some of your work and uh, any other shout outs you'd like to give out? Feel free.
7: Yeah, so StarTribune.com, uh, if you're in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area or Minnesota, or just uh, curious about Minnesota sports in general, um, read our coverage. Um, and just in general, if you can subscribe to your local newspaper, this is this is a, a tough time always for, for local journalism trying to survive in, in these times. So, you know, if you can throw a few bucks towards your local paper, there are people that are working really hard to try and bring you news that might not otherwise be reported. Um, if not for local news outlets, so shout out to local news.
4: Great, uh, great shout out there. Uh, anytime you can support local news is always welcome. Uh, Cameron, thank you very much uh, for coming on today. You were victorious, uh, any final words, shout outs or anything you'd like to plug,
0: uh, well, Chris, I thought it was a perfectly written game. So thank you very much thank you. for that. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, I just want to shout out if anyone, um, has a creator that's and keeping them sane in the last year, um, make sure to support them on Patreon. So if you're not supporting triviality already, definitely do that. And then anyone else who's been making you smile or laugh or, or anything else like that. Um, yeah. Thank you guys.
5: Well, thanks so much. Now we don't need to do our drop. Yeah, that was organic. <laughs> it was great. Uh, thank you for, for
4: that. And on that note, uh, I just do, I do want to say, uh, if you haven't had a chance to check out the bench warmers trivia podcast, if you're a fan of sports, um one of uh, their creators and hosts and uh, all around great guys matt doherty uh, he's been behind the scenes today helping us uh uh try out zoom uh, so thank you to matt and uh the whole benchwarmers crew over there if you'd like to listen to their podcast you should and uh, we even have a australian football watch party uh slash group uh, if you'd like to join learn a little bit more but thank you matt go swans honk 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 <laughs> ken is a Swans fan uh thank you matt for that uh, and everyone else over at benchwarmers Uh, yeah so thank you very much everyone Uh, if you'd like to join us on Patreon as Cameron mentioned you can go to patreon.com slash trivialitypodcast find us at at trivialitypod on all social media for Ken, Jeff, Matt, Cameron Chris, Matt Doherty and myself Neil that was Triviality
0: It's just, um, it's just like doing Sean Connery, but then you make it like a female in the South. So you're like, "Give me that baby! You guys just can't stay." I appreciate that you're friends of high and all, but this should be family here. That's all it is. That was really,
7: that was really good. That was great. Yeah.
0: Nailed
2: it. <laughs> Thanks.